Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you for a Wednesday afternoon edition of Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. A big, heaping dose of Major League Baseball playoff action is happening right now. Or like first game in action in Atlanta. Well, I mean, I guess that would be accurate considering that they are in the bottom of the 12th inning. Rule change for the playoffs. In this 60-game shortened regular season, we had the runner on second automatically to begin an extra inning frame. Not the case in the playoffs. And guess what we've got? We've got a return to long baseball games. Bottom of the 12th inning, a scoreless tie. (laughs) First time zero, ever. Zero between the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves. Cincinnati, no runs, nine hits, and an error in the game. The Braves just got their third hit of the game. They got a leadoff single in the bottom of the 12th inning. They are currently batting with a runner on first and one out. Austin Riley made a huge play earlier in the game, kind of a diving Defensive tag to get a runner out that's trying to go home. Two, three other games going on right now. Astros trying to sweep the Twins in the best of three series. They lead 2-1. to Minnesota is trying to avoid losing its 18th consecutive playoff baseball game. Through six innings in Chicago, Cubs lead it one zip over the Miami Marlins. Top of the third inning, Athletics trying to even the best of three series at a game apiece after losing yesterday. The A's are up four to nothing on the White Sox. Just about to get started, Blue Jays at the Tampa Bay Rays. Cardinals Padres begins at four o'clock out on the West Coast at Petco Park. Yankees Indians game two. 6 o'clock Central Time first pitch, and then the nightcap is the Brewers at the Dodgers. That one is a uh, scheduled for a 9 o'clock first pitch. So eight Major League Baseball playoff games happening today that got started at eight, uh, 11 a.m. Central Time this morning. The last game begins at 9 p.m. Central Time. That's a heck of a day of baseball. What's up, guys? How are you today? Not I'm near fine. as excited uh, about playoff baseball as other people. Who, me? At me, I no, try, man. You're, like, you're like the, I've, I've had the Braves game there. up, and everybody keeps telling me, "Oh, playoff baseball is awesome." Uh, just wait, wait till the playoffs. I know the regular season's boring. Just wait till the playoffs. And so I pull up 
Braves Reds, and I mean, what is this? Am I supposed to, in the middle of football season, get excited about this? I mean, come on. I mean, I would be Ooh. locked in if my team was playing, but as I, as I'm not, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm in my usual postseason mode the past few years, which is anyone but the Dodgers. Yeah, and that has worked pretty well for you so far. I am so nervous that we could get an Astros Dodgers rematch. I have no idea what I'll do. Hmm. Um. So yeah, scoreless in the bottom of the 12th of the Braves game. We'll keep you up to date with uh, what is going on there. Don't forget the C Spire text line is open to you. Here is the number, 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're asking the big questions always like, why wait for the next device to get the device you want? Right now, you can get any iPhone 100, uh, any iPhone, not an iPhone 100. We're not to that yet. I think the iPhone 12 is coming, but we have not yet made it to the iPhone 100. You can get any iPhone for $100 off, though, at your local C Spire store and online at cspire.com. So a bunch of Major League Baseball stuff today. Borky says that we're going to have a debate reaction <laughs> show. All right, guys. Uh... Take it easy. I'm taking the day off. Hey, Dad, why don't you lead us off on uh, debate reaction? I, no, I will I say only, I, I will say one thing to you about that, and then I promise we will leave it alone. And this has nothing to do with anything that was said. Actually, it has everything to do with what was said, but not specifically about one candidate or the other. I did not watch any of the first hour. I watched most of the last 40 minutes of the debate, and I kind of oscillated between laughing at the sheer lunacy of of the whole thing. It was a spectacle. That's all it was. A couple of 70-year-old dudes trading insults and talking about how badly the other one sucked. That's all they did for an hour and 40 minutes. Um, Chris Wallace was... First of all, that is an impossible job to try and moderate one of these debates between these two candidates, number one. And number two, he was a bit of a clown. And the third, what I was going to say, I oscillated between laughing, again, at the sheer lunacy of the whole event, and just wanting to bury my head and cry and say this is what the political system in the United States has become. It is sad and it's embarrassing, and it has nothing to do with one candidate or the other. You can paint me politically however you want to. I don't care what you think of me politically or, or my opinions politically. You hear some of them, some of them you don't, whatever. Not going down that road. But the dignity of the office of the President of the United States is non-existent. From either the sitting President... Or the man who tells you he should be the next sitting president. Period. That's all I got for you on the debate. I did find it funny the the football the one off about how how he saved the Big Ten. I did laugh at that. Like genu- <laughs> genuinely enjoyed how that became a debate topic. I told you. I mean, we all knew it was coming, 
But when the Big Ten decided to play, we knew that that was going to get brought up at the debate somehow. And it just made me laugh because, I mean, that was the full circle, right? Porky, middle of the economic whatever discussion. (laughs) Hey, here's what he said. Trump said, by the way, I brought back Big Ten football. It was me, and I'm very happy to do it. And the people of Ohio are very proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh, man, I love that so much. Uh, I want to watch two children start screaming at each other. I'll tell one of my daughters I love her the most in front of the other one and just go from there. I don't want to watch it on television. That that yeah. one-off made uh, Blue Checkmark sports writer really not happy. Which one? Oh, all of them. I, my goodness. I just uh, Oh, not oh, one in particular? Oh, Trump didn't say Big Ten football. Yeah, he knows that. He couldn't care less. I promise you Donald Trump could not care less about Big Ten football. He doesn't know who Justin Fields is. I mean, come on. He couldn't care less. But he saw political points, and he scored them, and it was full circle. Aside from the same observation that you made, I did genuinely enjoy that moment right there because that was just pure galaxy brain politics, and I appreciated college football getting brought up in a debate. Sunday's game between the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers has been postponed as a result of uh, multiple positive COVID-19 cases affecting the Titans. This story from ProFootballTalk.com. The Titans have shut their facility down for the week because of the positive tests, which yesterday included three players and five staff members. Today, a fourth player was added to that list. It's unclear when the game will be played It will reportedly be postponed only a day or two. The NFL perhaps staking its claim to Tuesday night football. (laughs) (laughs) There has been a Tuesday night game before, uh, right? Kind of recently. um, You're going to have to help me out on that. Tuesday night NFL? Yeah, it, it was because of a blizzard, and it was the Vikings, and the quarterback's name is escaping me. Uh, if you said it, I would know it. Um, played out of his mind, and you've never heard from him again. And uh, blizzard. Brett Favre. No, not Brett Favre. We've heard from him since. Is it that the one the they had to move to a Eagles. different stadium? Vikings-Eagles, right, because of a blizzard. Is that the one blizzard. where, the, where, the, uh, where the, the Metrodome roof tore open? They were afraid the roof was going to completely collapse because of the amount of snow that was on top of it. I'm Did they move it and play it at an alternate location? Gus Farratt? Is that who you're thinking of? Man, I feel so stupid for blanking on this. I just read about it like two hours ago. But there has been an NFL game on an odd day before, but it was Joe because Webb. of a blizzard. Joe Webb! The Joe former Webb, UAB it. quarterback. Yes! He, he, he played lights out, right? I used it. Yeah. He played really well, yeah. Unclear when that game's going to be played. By the way, the Vikings game against the Texans is currently still on as the Vikings have had no positive test after playing the Titans. First time the NFL season has been significantly affected by COVID-19. We'll give you the update. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports.
Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. A couple of days now to digest a tough loss for the Saints on Sunday night. Deuce McAllister joins us right now to help us do just that. You know him as the color analyst on the Saints radio network and uh, former All-American at Ole Miss all-pro NFL running back, all-time leading rusher in Saints history. Is that what he's known for? The, I'm about to say, like, he's known for being the radio guy? I think he's known for some other things. Deuce, there are lots of things you're known for. That just happens to be what you're doing now. I did not intend that to be a slight, as my uh, my friends here would uh, make it sound like. Hey, howdy, howdy, you too. Hey, for me, it just I, I, I just try to stay out the way and just keep it moving. That's fair. That's fair. Deuce, I was listening on Saturday when uh, the play occurred. Um, I, I think you probably know the one I'm referencing where they bring Taysom Hill into the game and uh, felt like things were kind of clipping along offensively at that point. Take me back to that particular moment in the game. I know there's a whole lot more to unpack. But that particular play, did it make any sense in real time? Does it make any sense now? What's your What's your assessment? I don't have a problem with the play. I don't have a problem with the substitution as far as putting Taysom in to be able to run the read zone or, or even in at quarterback. I'm I, I'm fine with that, you know. And so you you've done it since he's been here. Uh, so just because there was a mistake, that that you know it, it happens. You can't make that mistake. That's that's the issue. And um, so the timing of them using Taysom in that 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 when they did, you know, after the turnover, the you know, it's a, it feels like it's a momentum shift. I'm fine with it. You know, you just can't turn the football over. That's that's the biggest thing. So um, whether he should have gave the football to Alvin or you know, you 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 try to at least put that defender in a more conflict uh, than he was. I mean, that that that's the only thing because one man was able to play really three people. Not only the guy that was wrapping around to block him, but he played the dive guy, which was Alvin Kamara, and obviously he made the play on Taysom Hill as far as a quarterback to knock it out, and you just can't allow one player to blow up that play in that manner. The Packers were the opponent on Sunday night, and not not in the same way because age-wise he's not the same, but I feel like in, in – a little bit of a similar way where people have been ready to write the end of the story about Drew Brees. It feels like in some ways people have been ready to write the end of the story for Aaron Rodgers. This feels like the best that he has played in four, five, maybe six years. Is there a lot left in the story of Aaron Rodgers' quarterback NFL? There's, there's been a ton, a lot left for Aaron Rodgers, and this is probably, you know, just looking at it and reading some of the stories, this is the best that he's played since 14, and I think a lot of it has to do with him having fun, helps, with him having a, a true running game, and then a defense that gives him opportunities and doesn't put them in situations where they have to go out and score 30 points just to be in a ball game, if that makes sense. And so Aaron Rodgers has been doing the same thing that he's been doing the last three or four years, He's just not having to carry as much as a load because of Aaron Jones and the other guys that are stepping up. I mean, look, they didn't even have their number one uh, wide receiver, but you could never tell it, you know, the way that he was throwing the ball, his ball placement, you know, just the controlled command. Um, it's the same Aaron Rodgers to me. What Was Sunday night against the Packers the best that Drew Brees has looked this year? Uh, overall, in a game, yes. Uh, the only thing that you're missing from that offense is, 
are the are, are the chunk plays, the big plays. I mean, and that's where the air yards and all that comes into it. And you know, he's got to be on the same page with some of the receivers. Receivers have to get in the right position as far as depth on routes. Uh, so it's a combination of things. It's not just Drew Brees as far as uh, hadn't been himself. It's it, it's a combination of things. Dude, I'm curious when when you look at the schedule. Uh, you know, you'd rather be two and one, you'd rather be three and zero, oh, but you're one and two. But only a game back in the division, and you right now have a win against Tampa Bay, who's sitting above you in the division. When you look at what's on the horizon for the next month, going to the Lions, hosting the Chargers, hosting the Panthers, and then going to Chicago to face a Bears team that's undefeated but hasn't looked that good, this next month, these next four games, really feels like you, you got to win at least three of them, right? Well, really, how they break it down in NFL is it's 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 based off of quarters. So you are wrapping up your first quarter as far as the Saints are concerned, which you have loved to been four and zero, no doubt about it. You know, and you hopefully will end two and two. And once they wrap up that quarter, you go back and you evaluate and look at it and say, oh, okay, guys, over this next quarter, we need to go three and one just to be where we want to be from uh, a race standpoint. And in the division, they're still one and zero. So from a divisional standpoint, you're fine. But where you lose in this race is the NFC race. And so, you know, obviously the Packers have a leg up on you in, in, in the division, if that's if that makes sense. And the other loss that you have is an AFC loss. So that doesn't necessarily hurt you unless you're talking about for the number one overall seed. So for the Saints, they have to handle their business first and foremost this week. It's an NFC opponent that you play, the Detroit Lions. But you'll get back into divisional play soon enough just because you've got Carolina coming up after uh, the Chargers. Where are the Saints, Deuce, in, in terms of health? Uh, I mean, th- there have been obviously some pretty significant injuries uh, in the early part of the season. D- does it feel like it's trending in the right direction, or is this still you got to just kind of piece it together until you can get to the point where you've got everybody? Because the other team doesn't care who, who who suits up, they are just ready to play football. So you can't technically use that as an excuse. But right, you are trending in the right direction with Michael Thomas being able to come back. We'll see if he can get back this week. You should get Davenport back to your starting defensive end who hadn't played at all this year. Uh, you should get him back this week. So you're trending in the right direction. You're probably going to be without Andrew Speed for the next three to four weeks, uh, which is unfortunate because, you know, he was doing some really nice thing in the run game and had moments as far as the passing games are concerned. But overall, you'll see your number one draft pick, Cesar Ruiz, uh, will start at one of those guard positions. They will move the left guard, uh, I mean, right guard Nick Easton over to left guard. So you've got some pretty good guys that have played a lot of snaps outside of Caesar Ruiz. Um, he will be with those guys uh, pretty much, you know, full time instead of coming in for a series of two like he has the last two weeks. Deuce, it was two weeks ago. It was week two where we had the rash of injuries in the NFL, and a lot of them were season-ending injuries. That was like five ACLs or something like that. So, so maybe general question, but also specific to the stadium where it happened. MetLife Stadium, where the Giants and the Jets play. It sounds like there's a, a significant amount of complaining about that turf. How, how much does – there are a lot of artificial surfaces in the NFL. How much variance is there, though, from, from building to building, stadium to stadium, uh, throughout the league, even within the confines of artificial playing surface? 
there's a difference. I mean, so uh, it, 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 you want to know, hey, look, is this a new uh, artificial surface? What what brand are they using? Is it packed down really good? How much, you know, have guys been on it? And the, the thing for a player is it differs on what type of shoe, what style of shoe you're going to wear because you don't want anything that's going to grab a lot as far as that surface is concerned. I mean, on some of them, you can literally put on a basketball shoe and go out there and play. On some of them, you need something that has, uh, you know, some grabbers or at least some some type of traction, and some guys feel comfortable playing with the small screw-ins. So it makes a difference. I mean, but look, man, all, all the trainers tell you, hey, look, pack three or four different pair of shoes. You bring the shoes. You go out there. You warm up. You try them. You don't like them. You still bring an extra pair. You put them on the sideline. You go and play. I'm assuming that you preferred playing on natural gra- uh, natural grass. I preferred grass. But if I was in the dome, I was fine there as well. I mean, just because we practiced and I played my home games in a dome as well. And then I knew the temperature was going to be 72 or 74 degrees inside <laughs> of a dome. Grass, man, you may get hot, you may get rain, you, you never knew. Was it the old turf in the dome still when you played, or had they switched it out and it was kind of like the first iteration of the, the field turf? I played on both. I played on the old concrete with just a carpet on top of it and, you know, you were going to get scarred up, bruised up. Um, so I played on the first generation of the field turf as well, which they don't use as, mi- as much tire. Uh, and now, you know, that it's not as much red uh, sand as well in there. Hmm. Did, did you, was there anything that was desirable at playing on that old AstroTurf, just the carpet on top of the concrete? That's all it was. I mean, it was carpet on top of a, a concrete, and you would go so out there. And it was fast, right? You could right? hear the dead spots. You would, you could hear the dead spots where you know they would try to cover it up, but that, that's what you were playing on. Man, thankfully we've come a long way from that. Not as much, uh, not as much carpet burn. Uh, Deuce, always appreciate your insight. Look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Thanks as always. No problem. Thank you, gentlemen. Deuce McAllister. I didn't necessarily intend to go down the road of like a history of the playing surfaces in the Superdome, but kind of went that way. You guys notice Deuce is like a no excuses guy. You bring up an injury, he's like, first of all, everybody has injuries. Didn't didn't hate the play call, didn't hate the substitution, but you can't turn it over. It's pretty straightforward there. As always, good stuff with Deuce McAllister, who joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Interesting announcement earlier today from the governor of the state of Mississippi, Tate Reeves. The statewide mask mandate expires at 5 o'clock tonight. So you have a mandate to wear a mask for another hour and a half. But there are some exceptions. Tate Reeves said, I'm not extending our statewide mask mandate, but it's clear that masks work. That might feel like a bit of an oxymoron. Here's what else he said. It's the smart, prudent thing to do, but there is a difference between something being wise and something being a government mandate. We have to reserve that for our most critical moments. So the statewide mask mandate that was set to go into effect tonight and last until November 11th uh, is not being moved forward. Um, so the new executive order has some uh, some limitations in it. Also, 
Tate Reeves encouraged schools that are closed due to COVID-19 to reopen as soon as possible. Because you've got examples all over the state of Mississippi of schools that are open and are doing quite well. Um, Masks will still be required in schools. Group gatherings where people are unable to social distance will still be limited to no more than 20 people indoors and 100 people outdoors. And stadium capacity for high school football games has once again been increased. We are now up to 50% capacity for high school football games in the state of Mississippi. Before you ask, before you ask, let me answer, no. The stadium capacity for college football stadiums has not been changed. It is still 25%. Now, here's my curiosity. The way these orders have gone, we've gotten 25% for college stadiums, and it was two per participant in high school venues, right? Football players, cheerleaders, dance team, band members, etc. For every participant in an event, you could have two spectators. There was some outcry, especially from fans of high school football, parents, grandparents who want to see their kids perform or play, that if you can do 25% in college stadiums, then you can do 25% at high school venues. And shortly thereafter, the governor made the change. Will there be a similar outcry from... Mississippi State and Ole Miss in particular, to say, hey, hold on a second, whoa, 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 If you can go to 50% in high school stadiums where the venues are significantly smaller and the ability to spread people out is less, why can't we go to 50% also? There should be, if there's not. I... Because it... This says to me we're tre- we are headed toward... A bump in the capacity of college stadiums, right? And that that will be great. But if high schools can do it on Friday, why can Mississippi State not do it on Saturday? And and I'm not a coronavirus truther. I understand that it can very easily spread. I'm not doing that. But the clubs in Starkville and in Oxford and in Hattiesburg can be at 50% capacity where it's close quarters inside, but the stadium has to be at 25% capacity when there's more ability to space out and you're outside. (laughs) I mean, none of this makes any sense. What is the rationale behind this? Yes, there are more people that will be in Starkville than will be at a game on Friday night. Any game. Of course, there will be more people, but the colleges are more equipped to have better sanitization and um, like people making sure that masks are on, and they ha- they have more resources to make sure that everything is done appropriately than your local high school. There's a little bit more money involved when it be- when it comes to an SEC school, and it still doesn't matter if it's sixty thousand people, six hundred thousand people, or sixty people. If everybody is appropriately distanced from each other and wearing masks, it doesn't matter. This is so confusing because I don't. I mean, it doesn't feel like there's a rationale behind this. 
Why can Madison Central High School have half their stadium full, but Mississippi State can only have 25% of their stadium full? Why is there a difference between the two? Hold on. Hold on a second. And hey, Dad, I know you're waiting patiently to jump in. It could be that the governor addressed the answers to your questions. We didn't get to listen in or watch his press conference. We just saw the, the news snippet. So it may be that he answered that. When he talked earlier, we need to, need to do a little more digging. Hey, Dad, you were going to jump in a second ago as well? Well, my thought is that we've had almost a month now of high school football, and we sort of know what the, the results of that have been, and we haven't seen any huge upticks. We've only had one college football game at Ole Miss. You know, we had some at Southern, but the, the crowd there is not what you're going to have at Ole Miss this past weekend what you're going to have in Starkville this weekend. So maybe they just want to get a couple of games under their belt and take a look and see if there's a spike before they make a decision like that. Um. I'm curious, and I mean, this is, you know, hypothetical. If Mississippi State was told that they could increase their capacity on Saturday from 25% to 50%, given that it's Wednesday and they have prepared for the last six or seven weeks specifically for this environment, do you think they might just stick with the 25% still? They probably would and then try to For this one game? Make sure it was good to go for the uh, game. I guess that's October the 17th with A&M. I would think that Ole Miss would push to get an expanded capacity for the game against Alabama. As they should. So, I mean, there if, if, it, if you go from 25% to 50%, you go from 16,000 to 32,000. Let's just say you, you, you know, you sell an additional fifteen thousand tickets at, on average, one hundred and ten dollars a pop. Given the bleeding that is going on everywhere, that extra million and a half would be right on time. On top of concessions and all that good stuff too. I mean, that's real money. And yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I'm sure that they are. I mean, that, that could be a valid excuse that they're looking to gather more data, but that still doesn't explain why the clubs can be at 50, but the stadium cannot be. Because they're treated like restaurants, and restaurants are operating at 50% capacity in Mississippi. But why is that different than people outside in a bigger space? I'm, I, I'm telling you why it is they're operating at 50%. I, I, I'm I, I not hear here. You. I, I, I don't know the answer to I, I, I don't have an answer for you. That, but that's your original my question. question. I don't think your there's original a good question was why is it fifty percent and it's fifty percent because they're treated like restaurants. I, I get that. I'm asking the rationale. What what makes that safe, but fifty percent outside unsafe? That's I'm asking for the rationale, not why they came to that conclusion. It, look, I mean, I'm not defending it. I'm, I'm not at all. I think it has less to do with, like, in the actual seating area and more to do with the fact that you've got to run that many people through gates and restrooms and concession lines and whatever. And so you're, you're looking at the total number of people in the facility, not just the number of people in the facility when they have their butt in a seat. Isn't, I think that's the rationale. That, but isn't that why you spend all summer working on protocols and altering your state? Mississippi State released a six-minute-long video today and, I mean, they've got it down. They, they understand what's at stake, and there's enough space in these stadiums to do all of this appropriately. 
And so if you double the amount of people, as long as you are comfortable in your protocols, you can still do that. I'm just, I'm mind blown by this, that high schools can operate at that level, but colleges cannot. And Southern Miss had a game weeks ago, weeks ago. It's not the same capacity level, but a college football game in Mississippi was played weeks ago. We were there. And college football games have been played across the country already. So, and by the way, restaurant capacity in Mississippi has gone to seventy-five percent. But but an outside stadium has to remain at twenty-five percent. Um, let's see here. Ceasefire text line. Why don't you quit belly aching and just be thankful you got what you got? We're in a pandemic. Remember. Well, I mean, we're talking about it. Thanks. Because uh, Jason, no, Jason says a, this. I, he says, I don't understand that. Keep the mask mandate. Bottom those numbers out as far as they'll go and start getting everything as close to normal as you can get it. This feels like, yay, we've done it. Again, just like at reopening and numbers skyrocketed. Why do this now when it's clearly working? Hopefully the mayors and city councils can see the writing on the wall. I, I, I do think that you will have um, local jurisdictions that uh, continue with their mask ordinances in place. But at the state level, the mandate is gone. By the way, Freddie Freeman, game-winning RBI, bottom of the 13th. Braves win, Braves win. One, whoop, 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 uh-oh, outside the stadium with the battery, there are thousands of people. Oh, yeah. And I'm bellyaching because not having these full capacities is costing people their livelihood. There are business owners, hotel owners, bar owners, restaurant owners in Oxford, and people that work for Ole Miss Athletics who depend on revenue from football to survive. And if there's a chance to have more people in town to save their businesses, I'm all for that. That's why I'm belly aching because people's livelihoods are on the line. Uh, Jason, I will attempt to answer your question when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. With you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Topic is your right now is the announcement from the governor that the state mask mandate is lifted effective 5 p.m. tonight. Also, the increase of high school football stadium capacities from 25% to 50%. Uh, Borky thinks it's ridiculous that college stadiums were not given the same um, opportunity. Well, especially and when their clubs and suites are allowed to be at 75%. The indoor, close-quartered clubs and suites can be at 75%. But no, the open, 50%. Uh, read the order. Okay, I, I don't have the order to read. What it says that the suites in football stadiums can be at seventy five percent now. College and university outdoor stadiums attendance at events held in college and university outdoor stadiums shall be shall be permitted subject to the following limitations: seating capacity, bowl seating. Bowl seating should be limited to a maximum of twenty five percent seating capacity, depending on space available to ensure six feet social distancing. Club areas. Indoor club areas shall be limited to a maximum of 75% seating capacity, depending on social distancing. And that's this is like the new order? Yes, with okay. an additional 25% seating capacity in any outdoor 
seating areas of the club. You got that indoor-outdoor hybrid situation in some of these clubs. So the seats outside, 25%. The availability inside, 75%. Gotcha. Makes no sense to me. I don't know. I do think that you're going to see the capacity restrictions rise for outdoor seating as well, I think. This obviously happened right as we were coming on the air. We'll ask some people and see what we can put together. Uh, Jason, you asked a question earlier. Uh, You asked about why the mask mandate would be lifting when the governor says it's working. Here's my best guess. Porky and I were talking about this earlier off the air. So one of the key tenets of conservatism is limited government. And I think this is a conservative governor saying, we did this when we had to do it, but we don't think we have to do it anymore, and therefore we're going to back away and stick to kind of a principle of conservatism. That's my best guess. I don't know how else the governor makes the statement Clearly, masks are working. What's wise and prudent is not the same thing as what deserves a government mandate. We're going to save those for when they really matter. And I think that's the rationale. And that makes sense to me. Ceasefire text line, if high schools can go to 50%, college games should go to 60%. They've got the equipment to do this stuff safely. Eventually, we have to move on to the flu uh, or move on. The flu is just as bad. Uh, Strider and Indianola might actually be onto something here. He points to optics, quite literally. He says TV cameras can't see into skyboxes. Yeah, and there's something to that. I mean, that's why the NFL is threatening taking draft picks away from teams if their coaches don't have their masks on, even though they're all being tested every day and they're all negative. It's an optic thing more than anything else. Uh, Mike in Oxford, hey dad, says that uh, I see State put a quinoa salad in the concession stands this year. You checked out the new menu? I did. I did. They got some interesting stuff. They got tacos and barbecue, some uh, new options there, and of course, beer. Are you more interested in beer or quinoa salad? Beer. I thought so. Uh, Jason, let's see, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Jamie in Oxford says, get with it, Borky. But he's laughing as he says this. Tiffany and Carrollton says, you're just being nice. There is no rationale. She's not a fan of the governor. Uh, somebody says, if Starkville High School plays at state, can they have 50% capacity? That's a good question. I'm not really sure that there's a scenario where Starkville is going to draw 30,000 to one of their games. I wondered that out loud when Oxford and Lafayette played each other a few weeks back. Instead of, it was Oxford's game to host this year. I think capacity for Oxford Stadium is somewhere between four and 5,000. So instead of being able to have 2,500, you could have played it, or, or, or 1,250, whatever the number was. You theoretically could have played it and just had everybody that wanted to come come if they played it at Vault Hemingway. Uh, no, somebody says, no kidding, I own a restaurant. We'll take what we can get right now. Look, I talked to a buddy of mine that's a restaurant and bar owner last night. I, I just called him, and we hadn't talked to him. He goes, are you calling with some good news that nobody knows about yet? I was like, I don't know that I have any good news for you. 
Man, they're all doing the best they can. They're limited on their capacities. And business plans for restaurants and bars were not drawn up to operate for extended periods of time at 50% of the capacity capacity allowable by law. Whether it's Starkville or Hattiesburg or Oxford or Jackson or wherever, these restaurants and bars so desperately need to be able to open up so they can capitalize on some good times. Start of the four o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Going to go right back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Trey Shap, who you have heard from uh, before, covers the Arkansas Razorbacks, has for a long time. He is at the Buzz in Little Rock, and he joins us right now. Trey, what's up, man? Hey, Richard. How are you? Doing well. Always appreciate some of your time. Uh, I'm curious, general reaction to Game One for the Razorbacks last week as they uh, as they opened the season and opened the Sam Pittman era. I think uh, slightly um, optimistic. They uh, looks like they actually have a little bit of a defense, and um, offense struggled at times, uh, trying to get used to Kendall Bryles and and seeing Felipe Franks out there. But uh, sometimes the trick plays came at the wrong times. There were some mistakes, uh, players lining up in the right spots that Franks had to spend time putting the players in the right spots. And Coach Pittman said that that didn't give him time to, to look at the defense and get the get the looks he needed um, at them to make the adjustments that he needs to make. So, But I think uh, cautiously optimistic uh, from the fan base. Felipe Franks, obviously, he's not a long-term solution. How would you grade the way he played? I mean, to me, just kind of what I was able to watch of it look, looked okay, looked good. Now, maybe not great, but kind of what you expected. I, I think, I think so. He, I would say, C plus, B minus. Um, you know, he had a touchdown pass. He threw some interceptions and. One of them I don't think was really his. I think it was the receiver not really running and completing a route. Um, and then one was his. But I, I think C-plus, B-minus. Uh, he did have the pass to uh, Traylon Burks. It's interesting. Traylon Burks uh, picks up his first touchdown of his Razorback career, and he's a sophomore already. Um, but I think Felipe puts – hey, he throws the ball well. Um, good spin on it can really air it out, um, ran when he needed to at times and kind of uh, directed the offense when he got outside of the pocket. There was a time I remember, Richard, where he rolled out to the left, a right-handed quarterback rolls out to the left, and he's actually uh, telling one of his running – I think it was Boyd, a running back, to block one guy to keep him off of him. And then he was directing a, a receiver down the field to come back to him so he could hit him with a pass and was able to do that and pick up a first down at a crucial point um, there in the first half. Kind of looks like backyard football where you're directing traffic yeah. as you're getting ready to uh, getting ready to throw. I, I am curious exactly. your takeaway on Georgia and, and what you thought because I mean you know Georgia Florida the two teams picked to be at the top of the East that was a pretty 
abysmal first half offensively for Georgia. I thought they looked better in the second half, especially once Stetson Bennett came into the game. Are you buying Georgia? And and that was just maybe kind of first game, new quarterback, new coordinator, all of that good stuff. Was it a function of Arkansas's defense, maybe a little of all of the above? I'm buying Georgia's defense. Um, man. <laughs> okay. They are really, really good. And you look at the snaps that they played total defense, so you look at Arkansas's total offensive snaps, and the Georgia defensive line, no player played more than, I think, 32 of those snaps, maybe 33, and I think there were like 70-something in the game. So that shows you right there that they have a lot of depth, um, and they can interchange on that defensive front. The other thing is, Richard, it's it's like a brick wall trying to run through it. Arkansas tried everything. They even tried some trickeration to get something to open up, and it backfired. Um, and Georgia got a safety out of it. Plus, they had um, a pick six as well on defense. So I'm buying the Georgia defense. Georgia offense now, I think they, they're going to struggle for a little while until they figure it out. And I think JT Daniels, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, it, you know, I think Stetson Bennett probably starts against Auburn, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if JT Daniels comes in if, if Bennett struggles at all against the Tigers this Saturday. Trey Schaap from 103.7 The Buzz in Little Rock on your radio, visiting with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. So let's uh, skip ahead to this week. Mississippi State, the opponent, and my guess is that maybe Arkansas fans looking at Mississippi State a little differently going into this game than they would have five, six, seven days ago? Oh, I definitely think so. I think last Friday um, Arkansas had a different outlook of Mississippi State, even probably Saturday morning uh, before they even (laughs) – got up and, and finished their coffee uh, or their morning breakfast. Mississippi State's a good football team, and Mike Leach is a great coach. I think everybody knows that. He's won everywhere he's been. Um, he's a, a, just a, a genius um, at the passing game and with the passing game. And it's going to be interesting to see if Arkansas can sustain drives in this game, Richard, to keep the Mississippi State offense off of the field. I think that's Arkansas's only chance, their best chance to try and win this game is to control the clock and keep Mississippi State off the field. I wonder if they'll be able to run the ball against Mississippi State and how big a part of the game plan that will be for Arkansas to try and do just that, to control the clock and, and try to keep that offense off. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think when you look at what they tried to do against Georgia, run between the tackles, it just wasn't there. Run to the outside, it wasn't there. I'm not saying Mississippi State doesn't have a good defense. I just don't think they have the defense that Georgia has. So I could see Arkansas having a little success running the football. If that's the case, if they do have success running the football, how much of the passing game will that open up for Felipe Franks? How open with the play calling uh, will Kendall Browse be? Um, I think Arkansas in this game, they've they've got a tough, tough task defensively as well in trying to slow down the air raid that is now Mississippi State football. I mean, that's, that's what it's defined as. And so Arkansas, they've gotten a little better on the defensive side of the ball. Barry Odom, the uh, defensive coordinator coming uh, from Missouri, I think gives them a chance. But I still think if Arkansas controls the football, they are in the game. If they don't control the football, I don't think they're even close. Trey, not to make this too X and O heavy, but because I'm really not qualified for that. Uh, you may be. I don't know. But 
LSU kind of was in a man defense and never really got out of that. Bo Pelini never really made that adjustment. Would you anticipate that Arkansas would try to mix things up in terms of coverage? I mean, you're going to have to play some man if you're going four and five receivers, but would you expect to see some zone looks and some exotic coverages even uh, from Arkansas to try and maybe confuse K.J. Costello a bit? I would think so because I don't think Arkansas has a linebacker that can stay with Hill. Um, And so when he slips out of the backfield, I'm not sure who they're going to put that can that can go with him. They might even have to bring in an extra, uh, you know, defensive back to kind of maybe play that spy game on him. But then if he's going to run between the tackles, where well, you're going to have to have your linebackers in there. Um, so it, it's it's going to be a chess match, something that we'll probably see in the first quarter. Uh, see what Barry Odom decides to do. I'm sure that he'll come up with a good game plan. The deep, I mean, Arkansas is not going to back down like maybe they have in the last, let's say, three years to an opponent. Uh, we saw some fight Saturday against Georgia. I think everybody, and, and, and you could ask your, your listening audience as well, and even you guys there on the show, did you think Arkansas would be leading Georgia at halftime of that game Saturday? I don't think any of you would say yes. No. I thought they would be, and, and lo and behold, they were. So, uh, yeah, maybe Georgia wasn't there offensively, but give a little bit of credit to Arkansas's defense. They they're a little bit better than what they have been in the past. You know, Arkansas has gone through some coaching changes, plural. Mississippi State has, Ole Miss has, Tennessee has. You know, a handful of teams that have, have done that in the last four or five years, maybe even had multiple coaching changes. Do you think there's some ADs, not named John Cohen, who woke up on Sunday morning and said, maybe we swung and missed in not going and getting Mike Leach? No, I don't. I don't know if. I mean, yeah, there may be, there might be some, but of those ads that hired new coaches this past off season, same time that that John Cohen hired, you know, Mike Leach at Mississippi State. I don't think they're to that point yet. They might be in a couple of years, depending on how <laughs> it turns out. If if State gets to Atlanta again, and let's say they get in the college football playoff, then I think yeah, there might be some that say, oh man, I really missed on me, on him if they're not having success. And I say that because it was widely rumored that Lane Kiffin and Arkansas had a deal done, and then Lane Kiffin tried to get more money out of Ole Miss, and it never came. And when he came back to Hunter Juracek, he was like, no, we're we're done. Um, Because Hunter Juracek heard the grumblings about, well, he's going to go to Ole Miss, he's going to do this. And so I was told that it started turning that Leach could be a possibility at Arkansas. Uh, when he was at Kentucky, he even mentioned the fact that Little Rock is the loudest stadium he's ever been in, War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. I know Arkansas plays there once every two years now, but he still talks about that. So that was intriguing, and the fact that Hunter Yurchek, would he go after that type of coach? And yeah. then all of a sudden, it comes out of left field that, oh, he's going to Mississippi State, and uh, you know, Hunter Yurchek turned and, and went and got Sam Pittman. He wanted a guy that that wanted to be at Arkansas. So I only think time will tell. I don't think you can wake up, you know, Sunday morning and look back in uh, the paper at Saturday scores and everything and read the game profiles and and boxes. And, man, we really missed on him. I I don't think those ADs that were hiring coaches back in December can sit there and say that right now. Trey, thanks so much. Always good to visit with you. 
Hey, I just want to make sure you two feet on the ground all day last Saturday, correct? Yeah, other than when I went to a knee. Oh, okay. But but I mean, not for the reason not not for the reason that other people went to a knee. I got you, but it's Ole Miss, Florida, so I just wanted to make sure you were able to keep both feet firmly planted on the ground. Yeah, I, I made it through unscathed. I'm staying at your place down there this weekend, buddy. I just wanted to let you know. Oh, good for you. You going to play? Yeah. It's going to be cold Saturday morning, but I'm going to try. Uh, we went off at uh, 10 after 8 this morning, and it was 52. It warmed up in a hurry, though. It was it was really nice. 42 Saturday morning. 42? Yeah. Yeah, you'll be all right. Okay, thanks. See you, dude. <laughs> See you, buddy. Thanks. with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Appreciate Trey Schaap joining us. Radio host at 103.7 The Buzz in Little Rock. We just ran out of time. And I didn't want to get into an argument with Trey. He's a friend of mine and has been for a long time. But I am intrigued. And this is not an, an Ole Miss thing. This is a state of Mississippi thing. I'm lumping Ole Miss and Mississippi State together. I think the University of Arkansas, Arkansas fans, Arkansas media, etc. fancy themselves better than Mississippi. And they fancy their program as better than the programs in Mississippi. Now, you could you could stack a pile of evidence as tall as Michael Borky to the contrary, and you couldn't change their minds. You couldn't change their opinions. I mean, what what has Arkansas football accomplished in the last 20 years? They went to Atlanta twice under Houston Nutt. So there's that. Ole Miss has never been to the SEC championship game. Who was that former Arkansas coach that recently? Jack Crow. Uh, who touched on that? I'll, I'll try Crow. to find the audio if, if you want me to play it. But basically, like, you don't rebuild at Arkansas. What have they done at Ole Miss? It's like, Jack, what has Arkansas done in a decade and a half? I mean, Jack Crow does have the win against Ole Miss when he was at Jacksonville State. And Houston Nutt loved him some Jack Crow. Oh, did he? I mean, I remember Jack Crow, good football coach. Yeah, he was a real good football coach that day. Um, But, I mean, went to a Sugar Bowl and lost to Ohio State? Well, that win was vacated, so that game never happened. <laughs> that was. I think that was actually a forfeit, wasn't it? I oh, think, did they? Arkansas might have the win in that one. Uh, Look, did we watch what happened on the field? Did they win the game? <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah, Terrell Pryor was a pretty good college quarterback, but it's a bizarre, overinflated sense of self worth. I mean, because other than people in Arkansas, it's generally understood. And I mean, I listened to an interview recently last week that Lane Kiffin did where he straight up said, I. Had another offer in the SEC, and I picked Ole Miss over the other offer. He's not lying about that. Yeah, they, and they, 
And I understand that that rumor's floating around. You heard what Trey said a second ago. He said that, um, you know, the, the rumor was that Lane Kiffin came back to Arkansas looking for more money and Hunter Juracek said, no, we're done. Well, that, that may be a rumor. That may be the story that's floating around in Arkansas. The, the story that I have heard that I trust based on the sourcing is that Lane Kiffin picked Ole Miss over Arkansas, but Arkansas fans will not let their minds be wrapped around the idea that somebody picked a school in Mississippi, like exercised their own free will and said, you know what, I would rather be the coach at Ole Miss than at Arkansas. And the thing is, it's not like that's some kind of far-fetched idea. Ole Miss was in better position to win than Arkansas was. I mean, that's an objective observation. No matter what color glasses you're wearing, Ole Miss had a better roster prepared to win faster than that of Arkansas. And when it's Lane Kiffin, he could be at Ole Miss for a decade, I don't know. But he strikes me as a guy that has aspirations that extend beyond Oxford, Mississippi, and that's okay. Because to get there, that means he has to win. And if he does, you thank him on his way out the door for elevating your program. But that's a guy that picked a roster that was better prepared to win right now, and that's an objective observation. Why is that so hard to grasp? And and please understand, I am not discounting what Trey said. Trey said, you know, there are a lot of people that believe, or the rumor is, or the story goes, that this, I mean, he, he was relaying what people in the state of Arkansas believe about what happened in the coaching search. And that ultimately Hunter Juracek decided that he wanted to go get somebody that wanted to be at Arkansas and therefore went and hired Sam Pittman. Okay, take that at face value. I'm just telling you that the opposite side of that story is, no, that's not what happened at all. Lane Kiffin chose Ole Miss over Arkansas, period. Neither here nor there. Hey, Dad, on the football side of things, do you anticipate that Arkansas gives a bunch of different defensive looks? I thought Trey's answer was interesting specifically as it pertains to trying to cover Kylan Hill, he said one-on-one Arkansas doesn't have a linebacker that can hang with him. Not many people do, but specifically Arkansas with the game coming up this week. Yeah, I'm interested to see that. You know, I looked some of the, some of the stats from last weekend, and Arkansas, it looks like their game plan was to sell out to stop the run and try to put the game into, at the time, Dewan Mathis's hands. That would be a, a terrible game plan against Mississippi State. But what it lets me think is that maybe their front four is pretty good, so they might be able to put themselves in a position where they can rush four and and drop seven and try to eliminate some of that space that Mike Leach is always talking about uh, in terms of what he wants to find on offense. Uh, they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to be multiple in what they do because I think we we saw last week if you just pick something and stick with it, uh, they will pick you apart pretty easily. Yeah. I, I do absolutely agree with a couple of things that Trey said. One, Arkansas's defense, especially in the first half of that game. Now, it turned a little bit in the second half. You know, Georgia, what, scores 33 points in the second half? What was the final on that? 38 10? That's final? 37 10. Yeah, because 37 the line, 10. The line was, was 37 a half and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Georgia turned it on in the second half offensively, and, and they got going. Depth may be an issue at Arkansas, but, but one, yeah, I thought the defense was better for the Razorbacks. And two, he pointed out that 
They, they didn't back down. It wasn't like, oh, no, it's a top-five Georgia team. They've been to a couple of SEC championship games in a row. Kirby Smart, talented roster, we got no chance. Arkansas didn't look like that in that game. They Before the end of the year, there may be a game or two, there may be a handful of games where Arkansas does look like that. But they didn't in the opener. And I would assume that, at least coming out of the gates, they won't look like that on Saturday against Mississippi State. I don't think really that Arkansas is equipped defensively to adequately handle what Mississippi State is going to bring to the table offensively. I also, I mean, if we're being honest here, Arkansas is not scoring 34 points on Mississippi State's defense like LSU did. Because I don't think they're equipped offensively to do that. And that's the reason that I think Mississippi State's a pretty good bet this week, even with a big, you know, 17-point line in the game, 16-and-a-half, whatever the number is right now. Right. I think that's why it's a good play, because I don't think Arkansas is going to shut Mississippi State down offensively, and while they may have some success offensively, I don't see them replicating what LSU did. No, no. Franks is a better quarterback than Brennan, but he doesn't have the athletes around him. Whoa. That was a very hot take. What, that Franks is better than Brennan? Yeah. Brennan was awful Yeah, but Franks, what has Franks ever shown you in his his long career that makes you think he's any good? I mean... He didn't say any good. He said better than Miles Brennan. I don't think... I think... I don't think they're both that good, but I would take Brennan over over Franks. What? What has Franks ever done? The guy, the guy, the quarterback whisperer, the guy who made Chris Ralph serviceable, couldn't do anything with Felipe Franks. Weren't Franks' numbers okay in year one under under Dan Mullen? They were okay. I'll I'll see what Brennan's are at the end of the year. Right now, twenty eighteen as a sophomore completed fifty eight percent of his passes for twenty four hundred yards and twenty four touchdowns, six interceptions. Remember his 2019 season, so his junior season got cut short due to injury, but it was right. good in the early going. 76% completion, 700 yards, five touchdowns, did have three picks. but I, I still i am going to stand by this. Franks is not any good. Oh, I, I, he's not even in the upper half in the SEC, but he's competent. I, Mississippi yeah. State will see a, a better prepared quarterback on Saturday. The offensive weapons around him are well. Not that'll happen because the coaching the is better around him. You know, Kendall Browse is a better offensive coordinator than Scott Linehan or Steve Emsinger. By the way, Felipe Frank's numbers in game number one against Georgia: nineteen of thirty-six. That's fifty-three percent. Two hundred yards, one touchdown. He was picked off twice in the game. Yeah. It's rough, especially in the trenches for Arkansas. Rough. Hey, Dad saying Borky went with a hot take. I think most people would say Hey, Dad has the hot take that Felipe Franks is not as good as Miles Brennan. By the way, St. Louis Cardinals leading four to one over San Diego. They have put one inning in the books and are headed to the second. So a good start for the Redbirds. A back and forth between college basketball coaches that you don't want to miss. That's coming up next. Generally speaking, we have lots of things about we about which we disagree, correct? I think so. Yeah. 
We just look at things differently. But I think we can all agree that rivalries in sports bring out a level of pettiness in grown-ups that is rarely seen in the rest of our day-to-day lives. Is that something that we would agree on? Yes, 100%. Okay. Although people are overhyping this Kirby Smart versus Gus Malzahn trading blows thing, but that's a conversation maybe for later in the show. We'll get to that a little bit later. Duke, North Carolina, Coach K and Roy Williams, sometimes they get petty. Yankees and Red Sox fans get petty. Michigan, Ohio State get petty. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. The level of pettiness is sometimes off the charts. One of the great rivalries in sports from college basketball is the rivalry in the Commonwealth between the Kentucky Wildcats and the Louisville Cardinals. No love lost. None. John Calipari was doing a media Zoom call in which he kind of took a shot at Louisville, and then Chris Mack, the head coach of the Cardinals, responded. Let's start with John Calipari responding to a question in a uh, a media opportunity. Here you go. Yeah, John, you've mentioned that Louisville game, and and in your statement the other day you said you'd hope they didn't want to end the series. Do you think that that's something that they're thinking about, and – do you think in your heart of heart that this game happens this year? Well, it's, you know, I'm not going to tell you what they're thinking or what they're doing. I just know that, you know, the terms of the contract, we go there and they come here next year. How about if, does anybody really know what this virus is going to do? I mean, what if we're next year and we're in the same boat? Then we got them at home with no fans. We don't know. This virus is running us. We are not running this virus. And so, you know, you'd have to talk to them. And uh, my hope is we're playing the game this year, um, but we're prepared if not. I'm not going to wait. And they tell me, uh, boom, they say, no, bang, here's what we got another home and home. Here it is. You know, we, we got people all – every the people want to play us. I mean, you know, they want to beat Kentucky. They want to they go again. I mean, so it's, it's you know, but it's, I think that game is good for our state. Um, it should be played, but I'm not, I'm running Kentucky's program. That's what I do. I'm not telling any other program what they should or shouldn't do. So that was John Calipari, head coach at Kentucky. Chris Mack is the head coach at Louisville, and he responded via a Twitter video yesterday. Here's what Chris Mack at Louisville had to say about John Calipari. Cards fans, your fearless leader, Coach Mack. I keep getting asked, Coach, are we playing the game? Are you scared? Are you a chicken? You won't play Kentucky? As for the UK series, here's the thing. I want to do what's most convenient for John and his program. (laughs) You do believe that, right? That I want to do what's best for John? Never mind the fact that we had a December 12th mutually agreed upon date to play the game. And never mind the fact that they backed out 
of the 12th because they were returning from London on December 6th after playing Michigan. Thought it was too close to the 12th. Never mind the fact that that December 6th game got canceled. No trip to London. Can we play that game on the 12th? Never mind the fact that they scheduled Notre Dame in lieu of playing us on the mutually agreed upon date of December 12th. Never mind the fact that they called ESPN and tried to change one of our ACC games without our knowledge or permission. Never mind the fact that Coach Stoops and his football program at the University of Kentucky honored that request in football to move Louisville's home game from 2020 to 2021. If you can do it in football, seems like you could do it in basketball. Never mind the fact that the University of Cincinnati asked us to do the exact same thing that we're asking Kentucky to do. And we honor that request. Listen, I don't want to stand in the way of college basketball's best rivalry. Whatever is most convenient for Coach Cal, we'll do it. See you in the Um Center. Go Cards. Was that Borky? He kept whispering to make his point. Chris Mack, head coach at Louisville. John Calipari responds late last night via Twitter. See you December 26th. Can't wait. Give me a Good little healthy back and forth. I know that that probably doesn't, I don't know, doesn't resonate in the state of Mississippi the way it does in the state of Kentucky. That was pretty good, though. That's what all fans wish would happen between the coaches of that. You know, we we, we talked earlier about Leach and Kiffin being sort of being buddies. They don't want that. You want them talking smack. You want the Mullen freeze. You want Jackie and Billy Brewer. That that's what you you deep down want as a fan of one team or the other. Cal very passive aggressive. You know, I mean, the contract says that they're going to come here next year. We go there this year. Look, but we're not going to sit around and wait on them to make a decision. I mean, everybody wants to beat Kentucky. It's not like we're going to have trouble filling that slot. Not at all. Not at all. Chris Mack says, whatever is convenient for John Calipari in Kentucky, that's what we want to do. You better yeah, win. passive-aggressive. That's what... That's what- Mac was. You're going to do this, so you better win. Cal Perry's 11-2 against Louisville, including 2-0 against Chris Mack. So, you better win. Because if Cal Perry rolls out five five stars, a bunch of lottery picks, and smokes you, that video's going to look really stupid. T-shirts are being made, right? Whatever's most convenient for Coach Cal? Oh, yeah. Yes. Headline writers uh, in that state will have a good time too. However, it uh, however the, the the result comes out, convenience will be in somebody's headline at the Louisville Courier General and uh, Lexington Herald. There you go. There you go. Some other basketball news to pass around. This came out, I guess, late last week, and we just haven't really gotten to it. We do have. Not only an official start to the basketball season, which is November 25th, we now have an official start to league play in the Southeastern Conference. December 29th and 30th will be the beginning 
of Southeastern Conference play. December 29th is a Tuesday. December 30th is a Wednesday. So your regular midweek stuff right before you get the turn of the calendar. Women's basketball will begin on December 31st, as was previously scheduled. 20 play dates that could uh, that would accommodate an 18-game schedule with two open dates. Ten SEC schools will fill one of those open dates with the SEC Big 12 Challenge in late January. The four teams not participating in the SEC Big 12 Challenge will play league games that day. Earlier this month, the NCAA Division I Council approved a November 25th start date for the men's and women's college basketball seasons. When the SEC will begin its non-conference play, teams can begin preseason practice on October 14th, and they will have a 42-day window in which they can conduct no more than 30 practices. So 42 days between October 14th when practice begins and November 25th when the season begins, you can have 30 practices in 42 days and play gets started at the end of November. How many games does that eliminate? Probably three, four. So with all due respect to some of those early matchups, not really missing a whole lot. We'll still get the marquee ones, right? I mean, Ole Miss and Mississippi State both have some pretty significant non-conference games on their schedule. Hopefully they'll find a way to keep those, right? Right. Have to see, yeah, I just have to see who, who ends up where on the schedule. Yeah, you remember last year, State went to a uh, tournament. Was it Thanksgiving weekend uh, where they played Villanova and all that? So if was that in Vegas? Like that. No, no, it was no, at Myrtle was Beach. Myrtle Beach, yeah. Yeah, And because uh, I, was, I was just up the road in Charleston the same weekend. Right, right. So we just have, we just have to see. I think Ole Miss was scheduled to go to the Cayman Islands this year for a tournament that's obviously not happening. We look at it, Mississippi State was going to a tournament this year as well. I just yeah, oh god, it's somewhere. It's it's in some tropical locale. Yeah, yeah. Um, what we 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 had the battle for Atlantis moved to South Dakota. The Maui Gym Maui Invitational has been moved to Asheville. Asheville, North Carolina. Had a casino in Asheville. Because you know what this they say. a great spot. Asheville is the Hawaii of the East Coast. Is that uh, Hassan Whiteside that said that? <laughs> Did you guys see that tweet last night? Yeah, he's leaving the United States to move to Hawaii. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm leaving the United States to go live in Hawaii. Okay, then. All right. Playoff baseball in the big leagues. A's leading 5-2 in the bottom of the eighth over the White Sox. Tampa Bay Rays up 8-2 on the Blue Jays. That is in the, well, headed to the bottom of the fifth. Fun one in San Diego. Cardinals jumped out to a 4-0 lead. Padres scratched for a run in the bottom of the first and a run in the bottom of the second. It is 4-2. They are now in the top of the third inning. Final from earlier today, it took 13 innings for the Braves to get a 1-0 win over the Cincinnati Reds. One run on six hits in 13 innings for the Braves. Ready Freeman singled home the winning run, and uh, the Braves go up one zip in the best-of-three series. Astros eliminate Minnesota in two games. 3-1 to one was the final today. 
Carlos Correa hit a tie-breaking home run in the seventh inning for the Astros to give them the win, and Minnesota's streak of postseason futility continues. They have lost 18 consecutive games in the playoffs. 15 of those 18 have been to the Yankees. They have one loss to the Oakland Athletics, and they have two losses now to the Houston Astros. What do the Twins ever do to you? Mm. Yeah, Braves, I would get. What the Twins? Well, I was a Braves fan back when. Um, there it is. Then the Kent Herbeck thing happened. They've been getting revenge for you all these years. Marlins beat the Cubs 5-1. to one. Cubs led that game 1-zip. Corey Dickerson hit a three-run jack off of Kyle Hendricks as he was fading in the seventh inning. And the Marlins go on to win it 5-1. to one. Yankees-Indians get started about an hour and five minutes from now in, uh, in Cleveland with the Yankees leading one game to none. Yankees didn't take long to jump out in that one last night. They Ooh, just they bombed not. their way to the win. Uh, D.J. LeMahieu led the game off of the single, and Aaron Judge hit a uh, two-run home run on the first pitch that he saw over the right field wall. No excuse for the Cubs to lose to the Marlins this year. There's no fans in the stands to take a foul ball away from anybody. They should just Ooh. win the series. you think anybody's got a camera hidden inside one of those cardboard cutouts in the outfield? <laughs> Perfect cover for the, for the closed-circuited camera feed. Got to go check those out there. Uh, Brewers at Dodgers, that is at 9 tonight. Brent Suter on the mound for Milwaukee. Walker Bueller getting the start in Game 1 for the Dodgers. Go the uh, pitching matchup uh, tonight in Cleveland. Masaharo Tanaka is pitching for the Yankees against Carlos Carrasco of the Indians. So those games are coming up later tonight. Yankees are pretty good when they hit the baseball. And then when they don't, they're not. Not winning a lot of one nothing games up in New York. That is high-level analysis, by the way, <laughs> based on the way this season has gone for the Yankees. When they're swinging it, I mean, that was off the American League Cy Young, the, the presumed American League Cy Young winner last night, and they just rocked him. Shane Bieber, who had been just spectacular all season long. Does the so we'll extended see, uh, playoffs favor anybody? I don't even know why we're playing the playoffs. Because the World Series champion has already been determined. The Miami Marlins have made the postseason twice in their franchise's existence. You know what they've done both times they've made the playoffs? They've won the World Series. Carried off a World Series trophy. Have never lost a playoff series. That's a pretty incredible thing. It doesn't matter how many times you've been in. No, you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't. So, sorry, Cubs. Not going to start now. Um... That's a reasonable question, Borky. Does does the extended format of the playoffs favor any particular team? Hmm. It would have to be bullpen depth, right? I mean, you would think, but these guys are playing 160-game seasons usually, so maybe that's not the case. Keith and J.S. says, hey, Richard, most teams are good when they hit the ball. Yeah, I know. Some better than others, though. Apparently, Alex Rodriguez had a rough day on the Braves broadcast. An extra inning said one swing of the bat can change everything. 
It's true. <laughs> not wrong, but... He is not wrong. Thank yeah. you, Captain Obvious. You cannot lose games and win in Major League Baseball. That's a fact. Oh. No, we're not going to take the call? Yeah, I don't even know how to answer it. I just picked oh. it up hung it up. All right. Let me try again. So Probably some telemarketer to answer phone? wanting to extend my automobile warranty. It's about Mike to Texas. expire. This is your last warning call. Yeah. Hey, Mike sends us a message on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. I saw this news earlier today. I did not see it about Florida State. I did see it about Alabama. Um, Florida State has canceled their spring break. So has Alabama. The idea is to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. We're not going to have spring break and let our students scatter across the Caribbean and whatnot. You know Smart. what groups of fraternities and sororities are going to do? Skip class for a few days and go to Destin anyway. They'll find a way around that. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. College football fixes next. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to gigabit Ceasefire fiber and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. You can learn more at cspire.com slash fiber. Big things happening at Ceasefire. That fiber network is continuing to grow across the state of Mississippi, coming to more neighborhoods, more communities all across the state. And uh, you want to be sure to uh, make sure and let C Spire know that you want to be a fiber hood. You want C Spire fiber to the home in, um, in your neighborhood. Let them know as they continue to grow and expand. I actually did that earlier this week. Reached out and said, I would love to have C Spire fiber in my neighborhood. Michael Borky feels exactly the same way. Oh, I want it bad. It's a game changer. Oh, man. Big time. Just think how, how fast Twitter that you don't use after six o'clock would be in those situations. It'd be incredible. <laughs> Good to be with you this afternoon. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Dealers, log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough and then get behind the wheel of one. Maybe it's the F-150, the best-selling truck in America, or the Ranger or the Super Duty. Normally, I drive an F-150. Today, I bother, uh, borrowed my father-in-law's Super Duty. Holy cow. What a great truck that is. Don't tell him I said that, because he likes to make fun of the fact that his truck is bigger than mine. Like If, if I'm pulling something, he'll be like, Hey, do you need to borrow my truck so you can pull that trailer? No, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. My F-150 does just fine, but driving it today, it's great. I, I like your father-in-law. I think I think I want to I think I might want to drink a beer with that guy. Yeah, you you, you guys would get along. Uh, not a beer drinker, so uh, you you might oh. have to have a coke or a diet coke or something. But uh, hey, you do that. You don't twist my arm. 
Do you uh, do you know uh, where his diploma comes from? I mean, I'm going to assume the same place that yours comes from, but I'm your friend. You uh, you know what happens when you assume, right? Oh, well, where where does his diploma from? Al- then? Al- almost everyone, almost everyone on my wife's side of the family went to school at Mississippi State. Why are me and this guy not bros? I'm, 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 you need to connect us, is all I'm saying. Man, you're really not that fun to hang around. That's kind of the... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You kind of open yourself up for that. Yeah, no, Jane's... Uh, uh, her, her mom and her dad and her brother and most of her aunts and uncles all went to Mississippi State. She, Jane was actually... Um, she was actually enrolled and had a roommate and scholarship paper, like scholarships at Mississippi State and the whole deal. And with a friend in the spring of her senior year, came to uh, Oxford. I guess they came for some weekend, something or other that was going on, and decided to come back the following Monday for the spring visit day. And she got home that night and she looked at her dad and she's like, "Daddy, don't be mad at me." He said, "For what?" She handed him her old Miss ID. Oh man, she had she had filled out the paperwork to register for school, had been approved for a couple of scholarships, and gotten her student ID that day. And he said, "Well, just whatever you do, don't go over there and marry some old Miss boy." She didn't take the one piece of advice he gave. Ah, stop. Yeah, and he met you, yeah. and he's been disappointed ever since. Ever since. What did I tell you? What did I tell ever you, Jane? Since. Look at him. Yeah. All right, so here's your college football fix. This uh, this story comes from Yahoo Sports. Jake Garcia's senior season of high school football may never happen. Garcia is a California native and has committed to play football at Southern Cal. But without California high school football in the fall, Garcia tried to transfer out of state to play one more season. Where did he transfer? To the state of Georgia. Valdosta, Georgia, to be exact. Transferred to the powerhouse, Valdosta High. But now the Georgia High School Association has said he's ineligible to play. After multiple reports surfaced yesterday about Garcia's pending ineligibility, Valdosta coach Rush Probst confirmed that his new quarterback was ineligible to ABC 27 in Tallahassee. An appeal of the decision is pending. Garcia's family was hoping to use a Georgia high school sports rule to their advantage because of the coronavirus pandemic. Students transferring into the state must be a part of a bona fide family move to be immediately eligible. So Garcia's parents obtained a legal separation so that his father could move with him to Georgia. This from ESPN. Moving to Georgia wasn't a problem for Randy, who retired in 2012 after working for 32 years with the Los Angeles Police Department. Yvonne, who works as an administrative assistant, had to remain in California for her job. For Jake to be eligible for one season at Valdosta High, Randy and Yvonne legally separated to meet the Georgia residency rules. According to court records, Randy and Yvonne dissolved their marriage on August 20th. They plan to get back together once Jake's season at Valdosta High ends. 
The requirements are a full family move, so that, and obviously grades and that kind of thing, Randy said. So at this point, we got a legal separation. We're right down the guidelines as far as being eligible to play. That ESPN story from September 16th was reportedly a major factor in the investigation into Garcia's eligibility, given that his parents explained in the story that they were planning to get back together when Garcia's high school football career was over. He had initially been ruled eligible to play at Valdosta. In case There's so much here, by yeah. the way. In case you think you may have misheard what was just said to you, this couple decided to legally separate, even though they still love each other and want to be married, to have one of them move literally across the country for their kid to play one season of high school football. To literally move back across the country and get back together. And the kid already has a scholarship offer. He's committed to USC, right? Yes. So this isn't a kid who's like, I need to get some senior film so I can get some better offers. Buddy, you're already committed to a top program. And plans to early enroll. Yeah, just just take the time off. You'll be all right. You're not going to get super rusty. Okay, yeah, so there's a little bit of crazy in this story. But there's clearly a bunch of love in this story as well. Love that parents have for each other, that they would do something that is kind of weird in terms of their marriage situation. It's not kind of weird. It's really weird. It's really weird. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But also the love that they have for their son. That they would legally separate with the full intention of reuniting after the academic year so that their son can go play his high school senior season on the opposite side of the country. If the rule is full family move and the parents are legally separated, how can they rule him ineligible? Even if they say we're going to get back together, lots of people separate or even get divorces in hopes of one day getting back together. Well, I'm not a big fan of that, but maybe it's because of the whole wink, wink, nudge, nudge of it. You know, they're, they're so open about it. If they had just said, oh, hey, we're, we're getting separated and not made it public that they were going to get back together, maybe it wouldn't have been such a big deal. Or what if Randy was really looking for a way out? Maybe there's another option, and Randy was like, six months away from Yvonne? Honey, this is the you know, this is the only option here. Gotta go to Georgia. But aren't they playing high school football in Texas? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got I gotta go to Georgia. <laughs> gotta go to Georgia. You know, it just Well Valdosta's traditionally a pretty good program. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's not assume that Randy's nefarious. You recognize that coach's name, didn't you? Oh yeah. Rush Probst. Maybe that maybe they want to go play for Rush Probst because he is a fine and upstanding Gareth, never mind. Yeah. Loved his pregame speeches, though, on uh, Two-A-Days, which, by the way, in case you don't know who we're talking about, he became famous for being the coach on Two-A-Days, Hoover High School. Yeah, he was the head coach. Before there was Buddy Stevens, there was Rush Approach. He would yell incoherently, and then the team would just kind of look at him confused, and he'd say, let's go kick their three-letter word, and they would all get fired up and leave the locker room. Patented pregame speeches there. I I never know if we're doing letter of the law or spirit of the law, because in terms of letter of the law... 
They've kind of checked all the boxes, it seems. Certainly not the spirit of the law, but the letter of the law. Hand raise guy would have a field day with this one. But you'll never hear me complain. Cause I got friends in all places where they Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. C Spire text line open to you. The number is 601-879-4395. If you would like to be a part of the conversation... Let's hear from you. Rush Probst is a modern-day Bud Kilmer. That's a good analogy. Yeah, a Google search of him turns up some interesting results. Could you ever imagine your parents doing that? Insane. Think Hey Dad is right. If they played like they were having trouble, it might have worked. Spirit of the law versus letter of the law situation. Richard, you beat me to it by one second. I kind of think you should give it to him. I, I mean, law is law, right? It shouldn't be interpreted. It should be what it is. And if they meet all the requirements, I don't care if they're insane. And what was his name? I forget his name. Doesn't matter. Looking for a way to to get away Randy. from Randy. If Randy's looking for an escape for a few months, it doesn't Randy matter Savage. because they check all the boxes. It's not up to you to determine whether or not they're insane or doing it for the right reasons or not. Did you break the law? Or, or it, does the law apply? And if so, then the kid should play. It's also not Pretty the kid's sick. fault. His parents are nuts. Pretty sick, if you ask me. I know people who've divorced and adopted their grandchildren to draw more money from the government. Wait, you can... Hmm. Easy. Easy. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Although I do uh, need some... Easy. <laughs> Somebody says, that is insane for one season of football. Jeff says he must really want to play football. Uh, I can vouch for Richard's in-laws. They are fine folks. Richard is the black sheep in that family. I have no doubt about that. Yep. Oh, I hit I hit the in-law, like, Powerball Mega Millions rolled into one. Wonder if they share that sentiment. Probably not. It's about me, though, Borky. <laughs> TC from Clarksdale, I know this isn't a political talk show, but last night's debate was about, like, a Mike Tyson-George Foreman, if it ever would have happened, pre-fight interview. It's a pretty good analogy. I did see a, a video that... Uh, so I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but they air American presidential debates all over the world. And Oh, great. There was a, a video of the debate, but in Japan, so it had Japanese translators, and the caption was, doesn't sound any different. Hmm. <clears throat> Hey, I'm just going to put this out here. Uh, we're we're going to be a bit of a broker. I have been attempting for two days to broker a high school football game. I have so far been unsuccessful, but I want to help if I can. I just like, I put it on Twitter yesterday. So I have a friend who is an assistant coach at Joe T. Robinson in Little Rock. They are the reigning 4A state champs. Really good program. And their opponent for this Friday night had to cancel because of COVID. 
And so I was trying to find a Mississippi team that was looking for a game on Friday night and thought that we had finally found something. I got a message from uh, another friend who knew I was trying to help out that said uh, Hernando is now looking for an opponent on Friday night. Hernando's game of South Haven has been canceled because of COVID issues on the South Haven side of things. So it didn't work out with Joe T. Robinson and Hernando. I think Joe T. is now playing Trinity out of uh, the team out of Texas, and it had to be a home game for them. Hernando also has to have a home game this Friday night. This is homecoming week. So if you are in the state of Mississippi or the outlying areas and you need a game on Friday night, Hernando is looking for an opponent. And we would love to help. We're just trying to kind of broadcast to the masses. And I'll say this as well. If you are in a situation where you have a team, where your your team is looking for an opponent, let us know. I mean, I know there's all kinds of brokering and stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, coaches and ADs are getting together. But not everybody can talk to everybody at the exact same time. We're happy to put the word out there. And if we can facilitate, I mean, I don't mean facilitate in the stands in the sense of we're going to line up the security and the officials for you. You can figure that part of it out. But if we can just help two programs, like do a little matchmaking that are looking for a game because of a cancellation, we are happy to do that. So you can hit us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. You can email me, richard at supertalk.fm. You can, I don't know, send up a flare and try and contact us that way. You can contact me on Twitter, whatever. Dave says he thinks Brookhaven needs a game. Okay. JB says, hey, you have covered virus, debate, and Arkansas high school uh, high school football. When do we get to talk about crappy college uniforms? We've... I, I like those Ole Miss powder blues. They were pretty sharp, I thought. Did you? Yeah. I thought they looked good. That was a good look. I think it's a good alternate look. Yeah, don't 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 yeah, don't overkill with that one. Um, I just got a text that Starkville needs a game the Friday the ninth and the twenty third. We can work anything out with that too. Yeah. I think I saw that note on uh, on Twitter last night. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I, I did. I'll be honest. There were a couple of times where I looked up and I was like, wait, who is that? Oh, wait, that's Ole Miss. <laughs> but, yeah, I think as, uh, you know, an occasional, that's a great look. I think Ole Miss's traditional uniforms are pretty darn good, too. I would go with the darker helmet if I was Ole Miss, though, the dark blue helmet, just to set it off a little differently. With the light blue jersey? Yeah. I was excited to see State wear the shiny maroon helmet. I thought those had gotten lost in the mail or something. <laughs> Austin, you're not the uh, the Matt finish fan? I, I mean, I, I don't mind them, but it was every game. Like, last year, State only wore 
the matte maroon or the white helmet. The white helmets can get burned in the fire. I don't care. I thought the white looked good with the all-white uniforms. The all-white is okay, but that is the only I, I, the one that works for me. The white helmet maroon jersey is just a bad look, in my opinion. Okay. By the way, whoever was being sarcastic about us talking about uniforms, well, you got your wish. Look what you did. Yeah. Don't bring it up next time. All right, here you go. And we have immediate response when we talk about uniforms on the ceasefire text line. Blake and Matheson, I'd like to see State switch up the uniforms every game. Andy says, were the Ole Miss hel- helmets darker than the jersey? In person, I thought maybe just a hair darker. I think it is the same shade of blue, but there is... I, I think you're talking about the difference in fabric and plastic and just how that color transfers to that piece of the uniform. The Saints uh, have the same problem with their color rush. Helmet is not the same color as the, the numbers on the jersey, but yeah. the, but it's the same color. It just doesn't look the same. Yeah. Mike says he thought the uniforms looked sharp. Agreed. Wes and Bates will suggest that high school football needs an app like Tinder, but for teams to be able to find an opponent. Swipe left, swipe right. Yeah. You have matched with South Panola. Paula says the powder boot blues need to be worn with pants that have red stripes. At least our white pants don't look like the leggings the Saints wear. Thanks, Paul. A lot of guys don't wear leg pads in the NFL. That's still mandated in college football. Andrew and Dennis says, I'm colorblind, guys. All the uniforms are great. Sports Talk Mississippi. When we come back, we're going to try a new segment. What's real, what's fake? That's when we continue. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. I had a notification pop up on my phone from The Athletic, but I accidentally cleared it faster than I intended to, and I think it was saying that fans will be allowed at the American League Championship Series, the National League Championship Series, and the World Series. So that's a pretty cool development. 11,500 fans inside Arlington's new baseball facility where... World Series is going to be played. Well, cool. Very cool. Common sense prevailing. Nature is healing. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. All right, Borky, let's uh, let's try this. Real or fake? What are we doing? Yeah, so basically, you had a bunch of things that happened in week one of college football. This may be weekly, just depending on how this goes. And I want to know if you think that the performance or the the proposition I give you is real. Like, for example, the first one is going to be Matt Corral's just overall game on Saturday. Is that real? Is that the Matt Corral that you are going to get all season long? Or is that fake? Was that an anomaly and he is not going to play that well for the rest of the season? I've got a bunch of them that I listed. I'm sure we can come up with more. Okay. Well, let's start with that one. Matt Corral on Saturday... Efficient throwing the football, effective running the football. Is that real Matt Corral, or was that a one-off and he will regress moving forward? 
Uh, I think it was real. I mean, there may be moments of regression along the way. He's going to make a bad decision. He's going to throw an interception. He's going to try and force something into double coverage. He's going to have a game where he doesn't complete 70% of his passes. But I think overall, you saw the the talent of a third-year quarterback who still had not consistently been a starter. But he started the Egg Bowl two years ago. He started the first three or four games of the season last year before he got injured and then lost that starting job. So third year that he's playing significant time, but it's not going to be a year that counts against his eligibility. I mean, Matt Corral could have this year and three more. Yeah, he can start for four more years, including this one. Four if you include this year, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I think... I think that was real. Hey, Dad? I lean towards real. I think Corral's a talented quarterback. I know the arm talent is there. I know he's a good athlete and can move around in the pocket. He's not plumbly as far as running the ball, but he can move. Um, I mean, I don't think he'll be as efficient as he was every game. He'll play some better. Not that Florida's not a good defense, but Florida was... Their defensive game plan was a little odd. I'll just put it that way. I thought they were overly aggressive and almost took good advantage of that. Um so he'll have some down moments, but by and large, yeah, he's going to have a good season, I think. Yeah. This one might be a little bit tougher. So Ole Miss gave up over 600 yards of total offense. Florida kind of scored at will. Is that going to be every Saturday? Is that Ole Miss defense, is that real? Is that really them? Or was that fake and they'll be a little bit better moving forward? Oh, I mean, I... I I lean in the direction of real. I'm not sure that they're going to give up north of 600 yards of offense every single week because I don't think every offense that they're going to face is as good as Florida. For example, I don't think that Kentucky is going to roll up 600 yards of offense this week against this Ole Miss defense. But I think I think the deficiencies, many of which we talked about throughout the course of the long offseason leading up to the start of this year, are, are real specifically the inability to get a consistent pass rush out of their front three or four. Yeah, I I think that piece of it's real and is going to continue to cause some issues. I agree. Ole Miss, I don't think, is very good defensively. There's a a talent deficit there for sure, Um, and they're going to have to work hard to overcome that. So, yeah, now again, it won't be 600 yards every game, but they they will be – in the bottom four, I would say, of the total of total defense in the SEC. Mississippi State had seven sacks of Miles Brennan in their win over LSU. Is that the real Mississippi State defensive front against an SEC West opponent, or was that fake and kind of a one-off? Um, I'll probably call it Homer. I think that's that's real because I think State is going to be able to get pressure this year. What might be fake is are, are they going to be able to you know be good on the back end? And not that they were really good. I mean, they gave up well over 300 yards passing, but they made the plays when they had to. But I think State's going to be an aggressive defense. Zach Arnett is an aggressive defensive coordinator. He comes from that, you know, basically the Joe Lee Dunn coaching tree. Um, he's going to want to get after the quarterback. So they, seven might be a season high, but I think they'll be a team that that pressures the passer pretty consistently this year. Yeah, seven sacks is fake. Yeah. Do they average 
somewhere between two and a half and four per game? Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. I, I could get on board with that. But but here's the other thing. LSU, eh, forgive a hot take here. Ooh. Forgive a hot take. Ooh. LSU is going to be one of the worst offensive lines that Mississippi State faces this year. Oh. And one starter returning on the offensive line, Austin Deculus. Now, I don't know that Arkansas's offensive line this week is going to be significantly better than LSU's was. Kentucky's will be. Texas A&M's will be. Alabama's will be. Auburn's will be. Georgia's will be. Ole Miss's will be. I know nothing about Missouri's offensive line. It's stacked. Okay. Well, then Missouri's no will be, too. Yeah, I mean, no I, uh, honestly, I don't know. So, so anyway, the, the point in all of that is, Yes, I think Mississippi State is good in that area. I think they're going to be able to create some pressure for the quarterback, but your initial point of seven sacks a game, is that real? No, that's fake. That's fake, yeah. Speaking of Mississippi State, although I I think I only saw one, you did have the guy complain about the lack of rushing production from the game. Is nine rushing yards, is that really how they're going to conduct their offense this season, or was that fake? That that was fake. They'll they'll be close. Now they may not average a hundred yards a game, but they're not going to average nine. They'll they'll have some. They'll have games where they're sixty, seventy, eighty yards rushing. Especially it's tough when you take sacks into account. State's going to give up sacks when you throw the ball fifty, sixty times a game. They're going to get to the quarterback eventually on some of those. But by and large, I mean Kylan Hill will finish the year between say five hundred and seven hundred yards rushing. I bet. Between five and seven hundred, so they got to go four ninety one divided by nine to get to five hundred. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like that's fifty or so again. Yeah. yeah, I mean that seems okay. reasonable. Sixty a game. Uh yeah, I'll go that nine yards rushing per game is fake, but I don't think it'll be north of a hundred when it's all said and done in oh. terms of yards per game average. No, no, I mean it, it never has been under uh, Leach. Over under an average of fifty five yards net per game moving forward for the including yeah. this game in the average or without this one the next nine games. Um, Ooh. it'll be close to that. Ooh, <laughs> close. I mean, it could be like forty five. It's just not going to be a lot. It's just not. Yeah. And by the way, just so you know, Borky, you, that one tweet was the one I highlighted. Go to MSU's uh, football Facebook page. And there are people just like, we can't go on like this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're just going to have to get used to it. They're in for a long few years. Um, they are. Georgia really struggled to run the football against Arkansas. And Arkansas is famously not very good up front. Is Georgia's inability to run the famously. football? Um, is that really Georgia? Or was that fake and they're going to be much better running the ball? I think 2.9 yards per carry they averaged against Arkansas on the ground. Uh, I mean, I wish there was a category that was in between real and fake. I'm going to go fake and say that Georgia figures some things out offensively. I think the plan for 
Arkansas going in was we're going to stack the box and and make a quarterback making his college debut who's starting beat us. I think when JT Daniels ultimately becomes the quarterback or if Stinson Bennett the fourth turns out to be the guy, whatever, and they show the ability to throw the football a little bit better, then that will loosen some things up in the running game. If they don't figure out the quarterback, it may be real. But based on what I think Georgia's going to do, that's fake. I think it's fake. I and mean, they got five star running backs, five star offensive linemen. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll run the ball more effectively. Maybe starting this week. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.